Welcome to Boston Confidential, Beantown's true crime podcast. Boston is a great city, but there's more to it than the Freedom Trail and Fenway Park. There's a startling underbelly to the city, and Boston Confidential will take you on a guided tour of the hub of the universe, Boston, Massachusetts. Hey everybody, welcome back to Boston Confidential. My name's Barry McGuire, and I'm your host. I'm a 20-year private investigator on the streets of Boston, and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. All right, guys, let's get to it. Hey, guys, welcome back to Boston Confidential. Man, a big week here in metropolitan Boston. There was a bombshell dropped in the Karen Reed case during a hearing on the 18th, which was Thursday. It was revealed that the Department of Justice has had a conference call with both the Norfolk County District Attorney's Office and Karen Reed's defense team. And it was to the effect that they are going to provide documentation regarding the investigation that is ongoing, which appears to be investigating the police departments and Michael Morrissey's office at the Norfolk District Attorney's Office. Let me tell you, this was a bombshell all around New England. It confirms, we've already known this, that the Department of Justice through the FBI is investigating corruption, at least of the state police and uh, the Norfolk District Attorney's Office. We had known that because there are letters back and forth. And there was also a new development that was just pointed out to me on Friday afternoon. And that's when politicians drop bad news in Massachusetts, guys, Friday afternoons. The district attorney's office is no longer seeking to impound the letters between Michael Morrissey's office and the Department of Justice. So I believe those will be released next week. Also, guys, Turtle Boy News has released the recording of Aiden Carney's hearing for the domestic violence arrest and or the domestic violence restraining order filed against Aiden. And this hearing had taken place on January 8th. And it is concerning a woman. And I had mentioned this in a previous podcast. I didn't name the woman because she had claimed to be a victim of domestic violence. And I didn't think that would be right to name a victim of domestic violence, but the tables have turned, guys. And you can see this on Aiden's website. Just type in TB Daily News into Google and you can find it. Due to the change in circumstances, I'm more comfortable in naming the woman and her name is Lindsay Gaetani and The reason I feel more comfortable naming her is the name is now all over the internet and it doesn't seem, you know, fruitful to keep it from you. So the change in circumstances is that this seems very shaky. It reeks of a setup. 
And it was kind of brave of Aiden to put this on his website because it doesn't cast Aiden in a good light. And I'm going to tell you about it, but I want to tell you first about what happened on Thursday. It's a major bombshell. This thing with Lindsay is as well. And I'm going to try to guide you through that as best I could. But the first thing is the Department of Justice conference call with the defense and the prosecutor's office, after which Adam Lally seems totally defeated. He is the assistant district attorney tasked with trying this case. I don't know what kind of attorney he actually is. From what I've seen, he wasn't the guy to handle this task, and that's being generous. But perhaps this was just a crap sandwich dumped into his lap. This case quickly fell apart soon after he was assigned to it. So maybe I owe Mr. Lally an apology. You won't be getting it, but I might owe it to him. So in terms of the federal government supplying information to a state case, it never happens. It's called a TUI proceeding. That's the vehicle by which this would occur and is going to occur. And during that conference call, I mentioned that's what's going to take place. I'm assuming, you know, starting this week or next week, where they're going to release a document dump, I believe is what they called it. But the TUI thing is where the federal government usually, who's not a party to the state case, can provide information in the interest of justice. It's a 1980s case. I don't know too much about it. I looked it up online and I'll place it in the show notes from the Department of Justice. It's almost equally as confusing there. But it's a vehicle, the TUI proceedings, a vehicle by which the Department of Justice can provide information to the parties in a state case, basically. And again, this almost never happens. I've never heard of it before, and it's hard to even conceive of. But that's what's going to happen. And the judge, Canoni, asked, when would we be seeing this information? And they said about two weeks. Yanetti was briefed on it. Adam Lally was briefed on it. They were all on this call. And what I think you're going to get from this TUI proceeding are the minutes to the grand jury, the FBI 203 reports. Those are basically police reports on the federal level. And from that, we'll quickly be able to ascertain who the targets of the Department of Justice are who is cooperating, and who is not. Tim Bradle, Aiden Carney's attorney, was on Howie Carr on Thursday night, and he gives a much better explanation of the TUI proceeding and what we'll get from it on Howie's show. And I'm going to place that in the show notes and on the bar if you don't want to listen to another portion of Howie's show, just move the bar about 50 or 60% to the right, and then you'll get Bradle coming in for a good segment, a really good segment if you're on the side of Karen Reed. 
so guys, I guess I should apologize to you. I may have misled you, I think, in previous podcasts, or at least the last one on the Karen Reed case. I stated that I thought we were outside the window of the grand jury. It has been confirmed that the investigation is ongoing, and during this TUI proceeding, we're going to get that document dump. Will it be made public right away? I'm not entirely sure. But at that point, when that information comes out, I think there'd be probable cause to arrest people who have committed crimes in this case, some of which wear the color blue and some of which wear rumpled suits. I've asked over and over again in my head and to some people I bounce things off of, how can this case continue in light of that? And it simply can't. Either the judge will dismiss it or the prosecutor's office simply has to drop the case. Now, if the judge does it, I believe she could dismiss this with prejudice or without prejudice. But if the prosecutors drop the case, it can be taken up again, I believe. I just don't think it will. And I don't think it can be because how does this case go forward when the FBI has likely arrested some of the material witnesses in this case. So I was definitely wrong about this being outside the window of the grand jury, the federal grand jury timeline. To be quite frank, I didn't think this was coming. In a grand jury proceeding, if there's an indictment, they call that a true bill. If there is no indictment, they call it a no bill. I thought this was a no bill just because of the timeline, and it's still ongoing according to the Department of Justice. And Adam Lally, the assistant district attorney, provided no defense, and they have reversed their decision to impound the letters between the Department of Justice and the Norfolk district attorney's office. So the wheels are coming off this case I'm recording this on January 20th, and by this time next month, we'll know exactly what is going on, and I believe Karen Reed will be exonerated. And if you remember from the first podcast I've done on this, I said I think Karen Reed's going to be a very rich woman because of this case, and I hold true to that. But the first thing was to get her out from under this weight, it's got to be considerable. And it must be a good day for the Karen Reed camp and Karen herself, quite frankly. Also, guys, again, this whole case is an indictment of the Boston media. They seem to have shied away from this case because Turtle Boy was involved in developing all this information. We've lost our capacity in this city for investigative journalism. There's actually been a melding of journalists and government. And I'm talking from the city council level or the selectman level on up to the presidency. We had a mayor of Boston attend a party where one racial group was excluded. And that was in the news for, what, 48 hours? 
that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The media is absent. They're missing in action. And it's intentional. They don't want to fight these fights anymore. That's why we need independent people like Aiden Carney. And I get it. Aiden's not everybody's cup of tea. Neither am I. But show me where he's been wrong in this case. Point it out to me. Barry at bostonconfidential.net. I guarantee you I will look into it. So I guess it's now time to get into the hearing, the audio recording of the hearing for a restraining order that Turtle Boy, Aiden Carney, had been arrested for. This comes from January 8th of 2024, and I'm going to post it in the show notes, and I urge you to listen to it in its entirety. Listen to all of it. There were things in this that jumped out of me right away. I've had to get up and walk around. And to be honest, I almost missed the Karen Reed bombshell because I was playing this on TB Daily News. Again, it was brave of Aiden to post it on it because it doesn't put him in a good light. And I'm sorry to say that, but this is one of those cases where two things can be right at the same time. This case, listen to this audio again in its entirety and tell me that state police involvement in this case is on the level. It isn't. I'm going to try to give you a 10,000 foot overview of what I see in this from this audio. Again, it's hard to get through because it's a bit nasty. I'm not going to lie, but do I come out of this thinking that Aiden had committed domestic violence? No, I don't. Did he walk into a trap or did he run into a trap? The answer there is yes. This was a trap and he ran right into it. I should probably give you a warning before you listen to that on Aiden's site and what I'm going to talk about next. It involves the termination or potential termination of pregnancy, uh, of child custody, and it's a mess. And just prepare yourself, really. I guess we're all adults here. And just the, the flippant nature in which abortion is talked about is alarming to me. So before I go any further, I kind of want to tell you guys how I see Turtle Boy and TB Daily News. I don't seek to have Aiden Carney to be my priest. I already have one of those. And, you know, insert priest joke here, right? But I don't need him to be anything more than he is. He's an investigative journalist who, in this biggest case, the largest case, I don't know, of the 21st century so far, he's been right. Do I need anything more from him? No, I don't. And quite frankly, I steer myself away from that information because I really don't care. It's not really my business. And this hearing, things are going to be said that are really not my business, your business. It is the business of those two parties 
it does come across as distasteful at best. But let me give you the overview that I promised you, I guess. So I've just listened to the audio from the restraining order hearing that was conducted on January 8th, 2024 for the second time. It's some tough sledding there at times. And I'm going to give you an overview of it. I do urge you to listen to it all the way through because it changes during the testimony. It changes pretty quickly at a certain point, but let me get to it. So guys, I ask you to bear with me. Some of this stuff is confusing. And in this hearing, it seemed to be out of order naturally. But this relationship between Aiden and Lindsay Gaetani, I believe, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that name, seemed to jump off in September of 2023. And Miss Gaetani is said to have messaged Aiden directly, it quickly turned sexual, and they decide to meet up for an adult encounter. And that occurs, and I guess they begin dating. And I guess I should say Aiden is married. He's in the process of divorce right now. So in essence, he's single. It seems to be less than ideal, this relationship from Jump Street, just looking at it from the outside. But it continues to November when Lindsay informs Aiden that she's pregnant. And this is where it really goes off the rails for me here. Lindsay tells Aiden she's pregnant, and on December 9th, Lindsay and Aiden, I guess, break up. That doesn't really seem to occur because there are apparently dozens or hundreds of text messages, sexual in nature, back and forth, and other things. So they say they broke up. Was it an actual breakup? It doesn't appear to be. So during this whole episode of the pregnancy, which I believe, according to Aiden, it was revealed to him November 27th. From November 27th on, Lindsay goes back and forth on how to proceed with the alleged pregnancy. Aiden does believe she's pregnant and goes through the options with her, according to him, in this hearing. And I'm just going on the hearing, what's been said in the hearing by both parties. He says, I'll support any decision you make, but don't forget we are an hour apart, so only one person can have custody and all that. And this seems to really aggravate Lindsay, and I'm kind of encapsulating the time frame. So guys, sometime in December, Lindsay decides she is going to terminate the pregnancy, and Aiden abides by it because he says in this hearing that she has the right to do so. And it was a total mess, this whole relationship. And I think it started to dawn on him that this wasn't going to work out, and probably for her too. But at a certain point, guys, one of the things that stand out for me in this, she sends a photograph to Aiden of a pregnancy test, one of the ones you pee on, 
and Aiden gets the photograph and Aiden being Aiden checks the metadata on the photo. It's easy to do. I've done it. And it is from a time period in, I think, 2021 where she hadn't even met Aiden yet. So the metadata was off on the phone. Why would you have a photograph stored like that on your phone from, I don't know, a year previously? It's kind of strange. It seems to be an attempt to deceive. Later, she says that she's going to go through with an abortion and sends Aiden photographs of the abortion clinic. Again, the metadata indicates that that was taken previously. So I believe at that point, Aiden is thinking the pregnancy may not be real. She seems to want Aiden to stay with her, to stay over her home. And when he leaves, it's a trigger point for Lindsay. But at one point, he stays over her house because she has to go to an appointment for termination in Brookline, Massachusetts. And he does that. And during that morning, she says she is no longer going to do that procedure. She is going to take the abortion pills. And during this, Aiden has to be with her because I guess it's painful or dangerous for three or four hours afterwards. He agrees to that. I believe it's December 8th. At this point, he decides to stay over her house at her request because she's going to take the abortion pills and she asked that he be there. And he conceded that and was present. In the morning, she stated that she forgot to take the pills. Aiden says, well, take them now and I can hang around. She flips out at that point, stating that, you know, he is pressuring her to do this, to have this procedure in whatever form of function. He says that's not the case and gets out of there. They break up shortly after that, and it goes on and on. They meet for drinks. She is supposedly pregnant and drinking very heavy. And let me stop and say here, in this toxic relationship, I can see alcohol abuse a mile away, and I'm going to say that to both parties and supporters of both parties. But for alcohol, I don't think any of this would have happened. During this time frame, when they were debating on what to do, Aiden said he'd be a father to the child and all this. That, again, seemed to set her off and saying all kinds of vile things to him, I'm sure, back and forth. But it was toxic. I got to say, if I had received photographs that appeared to be doctored or old, I believe the fake photograph of the positive pregnancy test the metadata stated that it was from, they didn't even know each other. Same thing with the abortion center photograph. So that gives me tremendous pause. And her drinking to excess during this supposed pregnancy, man, it's crazy. So at a certain point, this goes on and it gets worse. Lindsay says she's had the procedure, an abortion and wants Aiden to come over and comfort her. She'd come back later and say, I didn't have an abortion. 
it was all a test or something like that. And you pass the test basically, and I want to be in a relationship with you. Then she decides she is going to actually terminate the pregnancy again. And it's just insane. And I urge you to listen to the hearing yourself. And I think you'll come away with the same feeling. If she has the ability to concoct this, and it seems to be an attempt to keep Aiden in her life. And whenever Aiden does agree to come over, leaving the apartment is a trigger point for Lindsay. And I'm trying to be polite here. And during this hearing, you'll hear Tim Bradle, Aiden's attorney, say the same thing. I'm trying to be polite, but sometimes it's difficult. And I apologize if I've gotten any of that timeline wrong. I've tried to do a timeline. I'm looking at my notes right now. And I'm omitting certain things. And it's, again, I'm trying to be polite. And it's hard. Lindsay would later admit to falsifying the photograph of the positive pregnancy test. You can hear it within the hearing. I think that surprised her attorneys to no end. It's been relayed to me that her attorneys have dropped this case, and that may be the reason. It was kind of a bombshell, guys, that she had used these phony pictures, basically, of a pregnancy test, and it kind of set the courtroom on fire a little bit. I urge you to listen to it, and I think Lindsay, in this hearing and on this tape, admits to it. Lindsay, beyond this whole abortion thing, goes on to say that she had been in contact with Special Prosecutor Mello, guys, and State Police Lieutenant Tully from late December. And she would later confess that she was providing information on Aiden to the State Police in this case. And... The theory Tim Bradle, Aiden's attorney, comes up with was they promised to make you a witness in this case so Aiden couldn't publish things about you, photographs, blog posts, or anything else, right? So that gets us up to the day of the alleged domestic violence assault. She ends up getting served by the state police to be a witness in the grand jury case against Aiden. Again, now she's named as a witness. She had been going back and forth with the state police. Tim Bradle, Aiden's attorney, says, yeah, this stinks to high heaven, and he may be right. So she gets served by the state police and asks Aiden to come over to discuss it in person. He refused on advice of his counsel, but I believe the next day he does go over there, and that's the afternoon of the 23rd. And according to Aiden in this hearing, she makes all kinds of apologies and admittances to the fact that she had been communicating with the state police with this woman, KP, and others. And he describes this as a betrayal. I'd have to agree. I think you would too. They start going over her 
text messages, Facebook messages, all that. Aiden's taking notes. And again, I believe something about the abortion comes up and Aiden wants to leave. She flips out. I believe the kids wake up and all this. And Aiden is intending to leave and always Aiden leaving is a trigger point. And that happens again. She takes his notes, which he had valued because it involved the state police and others. She sticks them down her shirt. And the allegation made of domestic violence is a one-count allegation. And she says Aiden came up from behind and spun her around and pushed her onto the couch. Somehow she ends up on the couch, I guess a push. And that's the extent of it. That's the domestic violence end of it. It seems lame. I don't know if this was an Aiden Carney. Would you get arrested for that or a restraining order against you? I don't think so. Especially in light of the fact that they live an hour apart, the relationship's over, and they could go their separate ways with ease. But this is a different case. So that occurs, the reported struggle over these notes. Now, she doesn't call the police department at that point. She continues the conversation. She begs him to stay after that, quite frankly. If he had just abused you, are you going to ask your abuser to stay in the apartment, right? Probably not. And people will say, well, you don't understand battered women syndrome. Well, there was only one instance of alleged battering by Lindsay. So I don't know how that could evolve into a syndrome in less than, what, 30 seconds. So she gets upset again that Aiden's leaving. And eventually she falls asleep and he leaves early in the morning. Reportedly, he gets into a car accident because he's so tired after he leaves there. And that was about the extent of it. I urge you to listen to this hearing on your own. I am condensing it. I think I've covered basically what I can. I, it was a three-hour session and that audio was already condensed down. But, man, it's all madness. I think I got to tell you, Lindsay had come across as believable up until the issue with the photograph of the pregnancy test, where she ends up admitting that it was an old photo or something like that, but it definitely wasn't accurate, and it didn't fit in the time frame of her relationship with Aiden. So that just makes me wonder, the investigator in me wonder, why would you have those on your phone if it's from a year ago? I think one was from earlier in 2023 and one was from 2021. There's the photograph of the P test, basically, and then of the abortion clinic. So, man, it's, it's difficult to buy, you know? But guys, back to that incident so Aiden leaves, and later in the morning, you know, this alleged assault took place in that evening, right? And Aiden wanted to kind of placate her because she was losing her ass. Her kids were home. Listen to the hearing. It's a mess. 
So he leaves early in the morning regardless. And when Lindsay wakes up, she doesn't call 911 to report this assault, domestic assault. Normally you'd call 911 and she lives in Medfield and cops would be all over that. But she calls Brian Tully. And Tim Bradle says that was prearranged, wasn't it? Where if you have a problem with Aiden, call me directly. And that's what happened, right? Lindsay denies that there was a pre-agreement, basically. But she does, in fact, call Lieutenant Tully. Lieutenant Tully calls the Medfield police. And I don't know if the Medfield police call Lindsay back or they just show up at the condo. but. That's the genesis of it. At that point, they put a bolo out for Aiden, and eventually Aiden turns himself in. And his arrest for the Lindsay Gaetani case violated his bail on the previous case, and now he is being held without bail. I believe at the Dedham House of Correction or in Norfolk, I'm not entirely sure. But He's now served more time than people I know who've committed actual violent crimes. This allegation of domestic violence took under a second, and the result of it is her seating her buttocks on her own couch. And after that, she begs him to stay, and he does. If it's an emergency, do you do that? Come on. And the involvement of Mello in this case, the involvement of Lieutenant Tully, her calling Lieutenant Tully rather than the Medfield police, it just reeks of a prearrangement. I think when she started talking to the authorities, Mello and Tully, that there was some type of agreement, call me if there's a problem, at a minimum. And that's what happened. You know, just prior to this alleged assault, Lindsay was crying on Aiden's shoulder, according to Aiden, saying how sorry she was for giving information to these people and all this. And this did come on the heels of a victory for Aiden Carney. Just days beforehand, he had been released from his restrictions on the other witness tampering case to allow him to continue his journalistic activities. And I don't think the state was happy with that. And they wanted to add Lindsay as a witness, and Lindsay wanted to be added as a witness. That's what I surmise from all this communication behind Aiden's back. So guys, when I tell you in the podcast, I've never seen a case like this, you know, add this to the mix. It's absolutely insane. And I don't know if this domestic violence charge ever sees prosecution to call the allegation that one allegation shaky is being generous to the prosecution and Lindsay herself. It just is. And 
if things go the way we think in the next two weeks with this document dump from the Department of Justice, I think Aiden's cases go away because he was right. But I'm not entirely sure. They really want to stick it to Aiden. But I don't think this specific domestic violence case gets to trial because there's just too much insanity. Those pictures about the pregnancy abortion clinics and working behind Aiden's back with the state police, just it reeks of a setup to me. And I'm not going to lie. I think Aiden walked right into it. He should have seen it coming. But again, two things can be right at the same time. This could have been a state police-initiated setup, and Aiden walked right into it. Lindsay, in this restraining order hearing, did herself no favors to the point of, I don't know if the case can go forward after that. I think in criminal court, Tim Bradle will tear this apart. He did in this hearing directly. If you've lied about the pregnancy, perhaps, if you definitely lied about the photograph of the pregnancy test, I don't know. If you're on that jury, could you see past those lies and then say this little push was domestic violence? It's a stretch. I'm going to wrap it up, but... You know, my research here didn't take a very long time. It's all, at least in the Aiden Kearney Giatani portion, it's right on that audio. And I urge you to listen to it in its totality. It goes south pretty quickly. And it's quite shocking, really. Last Thursday, when Tim Bradle, Aiden's attorney, was on Howie Ka's show, he indicated that they're getting together basically an emergency order for the Supreme Judicial Court, that's the highest court in Massachusetts, to get Aiden out of jail. And that's where it's going now. Will it be in time for that document dump in two weeks? I don't know, but I do think Aiden deserves to get out of jail. This case is so shaky and has elements of a setup. I think some other eyes need to be upon this case pretty quickly. But again, I urge you to listen to the hearing. And that's where my research comes from. That, you know, I've just taken notes from it and play it back to you, basically. So if I got anything wrong in that timeline, I apologize, but it, it jumps all over the place. It's a mess. It's toxic. Needs to end. And you got to put that in the rearview mirror, both parties. And again, both parties here, it's obvious to me they need therapy. But if the state police had a hand in this, that is something else entirely. All right, guys, I think that's about all I have for you. I'll leave you there and get on to the next one, and I'll see you on the flip side.